Um, it's based on, if you're new here, the minor prophet books in the Old Testament. Oftentimes, uh, if you do read scripture, which you should, because you should never just take your pastor's word for what God is saying. Uh, he wants, God, the Lord wants to speak to you. And the number one way that God speaks today is through his word. And so when you know his word more, his voice gets louder in your life. It's pretty cool. Anyways, the Minor Prophets is a book that a lot of people just skip over. Uh, it sounds terrible and dark and really crazy, but it's actually really, really interesting. The Minor Prophets are called the Minor Prophets, not because they were less than the Major Prophets, but because they were just shorter. And so, um, you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah and some of these other things. But um, some of you don't know my boy Haggai. And we're going to talk about Haggai today. He's really, uh, he's really good. Reminds me of, Haggai always reminds me of Haggis. I don't know why, uh, because uh, I just don't see the word Haggai written very often, I guess. But here we go. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll give you guys some background. Hey, Jesus, <sighs> help me. Amen. We are a um, little bit of a background. Haggai was written um, <clears throat> during the time of Nehemiah and Ezra and Jeremiah. And so all of these books actually kind of come together like a ribcage over a really big topic that would move into the New Testament, which would be the, the temple of the Lord. And so every week when Jesus is ministering, it's all because of the stuff that happened with Haggai. And so it's kind of neat when Jesus walks into the temple and says, destroy this building and I'll rebuild it in, th in three days. And all of the guys get upset because it took three years to build it. We actually know that to be specifically dated because Haggai is the most um, uh, accurate book in regards to dates and details. And uh, it's a pretty cool book. It's only got two chapters, super easy read, and some really great material. And as I was studying through it, the Lord was like, this is where your church is at, Jack. And I'm like, oh, okay. So here's some background. Uh, the, the, the first temple was born... In 19, I'm sorry, in 957, 957 BC, David, as you know, King David, gathered all the materials, and his son Solomon actually put it together. And that temple lasted about as long as most societies lasted. After King David, the society lasted about 300 years. It was destroyed in 586, and Israel, when Israel was conquered by, does anyone know who? The, the Babylons, right? And so you remember the book of Daniel? When Daniel, uh, he's, he's now taken as a slave. Well, all of the people, this is like real stuff. God's people were told like, hey, I, I, the Lord was speaking to his people through the prophet saying, worship me. And the people again and again and again. And I don't know how God's people got it wrong so many times. But as I look into my own heart, I do understand how God's people got it wrong so many times. Because our hearts are prone to wander. We can be wholehearted on Sunday and apathetic on Monday. And this is God's people. And so God's people forsook the Lord, and he allowed them to be um, exiled by the Babylonians. Um, temple was destroyed. People were enslaved. It was really, really, really horrific. I mean, it's something like we can't imagine because most of us have never even seen war, not to mention seen war in our front yard going down our street. Anyways, the temple would, uh, Nehemiah would ask his king for permission when uh, the Babylonians were conquered just a few years later by the Persians. 
he would ask the, the king of Persia, can, can I go back and rebuild my city? And because he found favor with the, with the king, the king said, yes, you can go back. And they did just that. And so what I think of, though, when I stop and think of the history and the backdrop of those 70 years where the people were in exile, when they remembered the temple, and they remember God's blessing, and they remember being together as a family and being free, what their prayers must have sounded like to be a prisoner of someone else knowing that God's called you to be free. And I bet those prayers sounded like, God, I'd do anything if you let us go home. God, we'll serve you, we'll honor you, we'll make it all about you. You ever prayed a prayer like that? God, I just want you to move. I'll do anything. Well, they went back and they began to rebuild the city. This is Nehemiah. And before Ezra comes in the picture, Ezra would be the guy that builds the temple. He'd be a priest. And he kind of heads up all of this stuff. Well, Nehemiah brings the people back and all of the exiled people would rebuild the walls. And everybody is mandated to build the wall. We are going to work because we want to make sure that we're safe this time. So they, they, they focus, they get the walls built high and secure. And then what happens is the people of God, there's a problem that happens in Israel. And this is where the book of Haggai comes in. Did I set, did I set it up for you? They build the walls and then everyone does this. Haggai chapter 1. On August 29th, the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel and the governor of Judah to Jesai, Jeshua, I'm sorry, the high priest. And this is what the Lord of the heavens RV says. I love this book because every book gives the Lord a, a name or a reference or a point of view. And Haggai always calls the Lord the Lord of heaven's armies. That's pretty awesome, man. He's letting you know who's talking to you, Jack. And uh, you, should, you should know there's fury behind this. And he says, the people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? You got to get this. Their prayer was, God, if we can just, if you will just save me, if you'll just deliver me, if you'll just X dot, 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 I'll do anything. And we don't actually know that to be true. We, we don't actually hear that prayer recorded. But man, have we heard that prayer recorded. You know what I'm talking about? We've heard it said. We've heard it. God, I'll, I'll, I'll go. If you just heal my big toe, you know, I'll do it. I'll go. When you hurt your big toe. You know that prayer. Anyways. And so the Lord says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Now today, I want you to know this is not actually designed to be a heavy message, but that's a pretty powerful word right there. I'll tell you that right now. Super convicting. And uh, today's actually going to be a pretty encouraging word, but the Lord's really trying to say is, wait a second. This is what that word means. So you built your security and got yourself safe and then you went home to work on your own kingdom. And this is why you got exiled in the first place, Jack. This is what puts you out because you were living all for you and it wasn't at all about me. And I just think this is a problem that we have come to in our kingdom 
is all we want is security and comfort and luxury. And we forget that it's all about the glory of the Lord. That is the ultimate comfort that we're going to have on this earth. And we misplace security by putting deadbolts on our door. And we add extra security with guns and dogs and fences and whatever else you want to do. But I just want you to know that you'll know that security really comes from the Lord in a dark hour of your life. And that's when you may realize, I missed it. I have to keep moving. This is what the Lord, the Lord will continue in the next verse. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says, look at what's happening to you. You've planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put clothes on, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Oh, man, that's harsh. This is what the Lord's, the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. And here's what I believe the solution the Lord is saying. Hey, guys, you're working super hard to get all this stuff. It's not really fulfilling for you because you're missing the point. What's your purpose? If your purpose is just security and comfort, great. But I don't think anyone believes that that's why you're still on this earth. Why are you here? And so the Lord would say this in the very next verse. Now go up into the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. And then I will take pleasure in it and be honored. First of all, it's cool to know that we have a chance to make God feel honored. That's what my worship does. It honors the king when it's sincere, when it's sacrificial, and when it's wholehearted. And that, if that moves God, you best believe it's going to move me. I, Lord, I, I want to honor you. I want you to be honored by my life. Anyone else here? This is going to get good here, guys. And when you brought your harvest home, uh, no, I'm sorry. And then he says, you hope for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. Now, I'm not sure today if he's actually talking about heavenly dew as much as he is talking about blessing, about peace about rest. Many of us are working crazy hours and there is no Sabbath. There is no rest. There is no celebration of things that are good. It's just back to work, grinding. And the Lord designed you to have that do where you're rejoicing from what came from heaven. I have to keep going. I can preach on every word of this thing. But I feel like the Lord has a bigger picture to say today. And uh, it's just super cool. Hold on. First of all, is this good? Because this is super good to me. Okay, here we go. And when the Lord, when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord, I'm just reading the next verse. Like, I'm just reading all of Haggai to you. And when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord, their God, sent, the people feared the Lord. Stop there. I can remember a time in our church where there was a person that was going to our church 
Uh, we talked one week about the fear of the Lord and how the fear of the Lord is good. And someone came to me that uh, week and said that that's not biblical, that we shouldn't fear God. He's love. And uh, I was like, whoa, hold on, time out. I don't know what you're reading, but you know, it's all of the Bible. You've got to fear the Lord. And they were really confused, and they actually rejected the message. And I just want you to know that, like, if you don't fear the like, this is a big problem in our society. Think about it for just a second. We don't fear our parents. I, I want you to know my son, he's going to fear his daddy. Just let you know. You may think that's unbiblical, but let me tell you something, Jack. It's 100% biblical. Uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Son, I'll still whoop your butt, man. Uh, listen, we don't fear our teachers. We don't fear our principals. We don't fear the police. We don't fear our government. And I just want you to know that's foolish, and the Lord designed us to be under authority, to have, to be people of authority, under authority. And when that is moved in your life, something is misplaced. And when we might fear some of those things, but not fear the one who can not only take the breath from our lungs, but also give us an eternity in hell, there's something misplaced. And some of us reject the whole conversation of eternity. And uh, I don't know what we're talking about then. There, there isn't. Just eternity in heaven. You understand? Like there's, okay. So then the people, they heard this message. He was talking to them about like, hey, it's not about just being wealthy. You're trying to do all these things and it's not working. And the Lord's like, he's rejecting you. And I want you to know why they feared the Lord is they remembered what, what it was like in Babylon. And they're like, oh, crap. Hey, hey, Lord, what do you want us to do? What part of the temple do you want me to build? You know what I mean? What do you want me to bring? And, uh, and so we want to get back to the Lord then, Lord. We want to do what you want us to do. And I don't know about you, but I think it's super imperative that in the body of Christ, all of us are passionate about fulfilling the call of God on your life. That's what I care about, is you doing what God's calling you to do. Then Haggai, uh, the Lord's messenger, gave this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked enthusiasm uh, of, of Zerubbabel, and, uh, the governor of Judah, and, and enthusiasm in Jeshua. And then it says this, the high priest, and then in the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And it says this. And they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of the heavens armies, on September 21st, the second king of Darius reign. This book is filled with specific dates. And this is the day where the book of Ezra starts, which is pretty neat. So they went from coming to build the t the, their security back up so they can live back in Israel, but it wasn't about you just having freedom. It wasn't about you just being saved. That's, that's not the Lord's design. You didn't say the prayer so that you can be washed. He wants you to be his disciple. You have an assignment on your life, people. And so if we're not mistaken, we can just get the life insurance and, uh, and then go about our life. And once saved, always saved. You're in. You're good. You ain't got to do nothing else. And I just want you to know that's, you, you, that, that kind of faith is dead. Like you have a mission. You have a purpose. You must respond to the high call of God on your life. And you should fear the judgment of the Lord, should you step out of that. Now, you, you may make it to heaven. Cool. 
But I don't, I don't want just like to get to look at the throne. I want to be up next to it. I want to high, high. I want to be one, next to one of the creatures. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I just want to talk to you guys a couple minutes about what happens next. So Haggai chapter 2, he flips the script, and they begin to start the conversation of building the temple. And here's what happens, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to jump around a little bit here for you. Uh, does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Uh, let me just stop there for a second. You get around people that have been a Christian for a long time, and often they look back as if God, remember when God did great things? And I just want you to know, I kind of reject those kinds of conversations because I think that I'm not called to do what God did, but what God wants to do. And if we're not careful, we won't labor for where we're supposed to go. Does that make sense? In this book, this is the book that has this famous scripture that I'm going to read to you about how the glory of the temple is going to be greater than it ever was. And I don't know about you, but if you've seen God do some cool things, Let's do it again. If you've ministered to homeless, let's do it again. If you've traveled the nations and preached the gospel, let's do it again. If you've seen miracles and signs and wonders, let's do it again. If you've been in services where the glory of God fell, let's do it again. Let's go after Jesus. Or you can go home and sit in the comfort of your house as if you think that that's where God's calling you to be. Now that you've rebuilt the walls and you're safe, and secure. But that's not it. It's about what's yet to come. Is this good? Because I feel like this is, this is, what's really neat about these messages, it's first for me. So like, I'm like, golly, Jack, because I've seen God do some crazy, awesome things. And uh, sometimes like just talking about what he did is really cool, but I want to talk about what I want to see him do what I believe he wants to do. Yeah. Cool. So um, I just want to tell you uh, real quick, So, uh, because uh, I don't know if you know, but we're, we're trying to buy a building, right? We, wanna, we want a church. Yeah. We grew out of this church a long time ago. In fact, what happens uh, to a church when they grow out of their, their, their church is it becomes kind of dysfunctional. It's like when you grow out of your shoe. If you don't get a new shoe, that foot's going to look really ugly in a little bit. It's going to get weird. And so it's been unhealthy for us in a lot of ways because we grew out a long time ago. And uh, there's a lot of things that we want to do as a church that we simply can't do because we've used every square inch of this. Right now, your sanctuary is, has an altar, and it has a media room <laughs> where we are uh, broadcasting to the nations right now from this little room that is supposed to have its own room. And we have a lobby, and we are green, and we're doing we're just doing too many things. And this one, this is not big enough for what we've got to do. We use rooms two, three times in a day. We'll change it out to do something different in it, and then do something different in it, and do something different in it. We know that we grew out of this a long time ago, and God has put it on our hearts that we need to start getting another building. Some of you know about this. We started uh, last year in uh, December having the conversation where it's time to stop talking about getting a new building. We need to start. And so with that, I want you to know where we are with our building fund and, and search. We do not know where our building is, and we don't know when it's coming. 
if I'm completely honest. And while I have learned to take peace in that, it's because I know that the children of Israel wandered and they wandered and wandered until they figured out what God wanted them to do and who they were supposed to be because it's more important who we are than where we are. And uh, there is a place that he's setting up for us, and we can walk around it and walk around it, but if we don't get right in the house of God, and today as I'm talking about us building this temple, I'm not actually talking about finances. Let me show you. Uh, We don't have all the money that we need. We said we should probably start out with a goal that's really big, like $150,000, and uh, it had taken us about nine years to get $150,000 prior to that. And um, since January, we actually raised $150,000 in June. Uh, I was shocked. It took us nine years to get that amount of money. And in June, our church responded so much that we raised that much money stupid fast. Uh, I was actually actually embarrassed by the faith of the way you guys responded. Um, And so here we are. uh, In nine months, we've raised $200,000 towards our building fund. We actually have, we're in a good place, and if you have any questions about our finances, you can go see David or Brian or Brady or ask anyone. Our finances are an open book. We realize that we're still probably about another 100000 from putting an offering on a building we like, uh, maybe 200000 from actually securing it, but we're going to give them like a lowball offer and see what happens. Uh, well, that may take us another three more months to get that at the rate that we're going. It's really awesome. We're not taking an offering today. This isn't about your resources. Uh, this is about your life. Just want you to know some of the things that we've been able to do this year as a church uh, that I find flabbergasting. And uh, I want to just give you guys some updates. Not only did we raise uh, $200,000 already for the church, but we've also been able to uh, give multiple thousands of dollars to multiple um, pro-life organizations here in Lakeland, uh, both monthly and on a one-time donation. We've also helped raise diapers and uh, binkies and onesies and all kinds of wipes and stuff that babies, you know, babies are just gross, you know. And so we <laughs> help support those little creatures. And uh, uh, we've, we've, been able to send, uh, we've been able to send money over to Israel, to churches that we support over there. We've been able to support, uh, send money over to uh, our, our churches in Nicaragua where our, our Pastor Pablo has planted more than 40 churches and we're supporting him. We're giving money over there. We, I mean, there's... There's multiple missionaries that we've sent one-time donations of, of several thousands of dollars this year. We've also spent more than $5,000 in the last two months in the neighborhood just behind our church. Uh, and we'd love for you to come out and see these beautiful little kids. Uh, as, uh, man, it's just cool if you want to come to Outreach on Saturdays. It's awesome. We've been able to sp- support multiple missionaries throughout the countries, and especially some that are within our church that, got, that found the call of God right here and now are in Kenya or in um, uh, India or in uh, different parts of Africa. And they found the call of God right here in our church. And that to me is awesome that we can keep them on the mission field because they found it right here first. Isn't that cool? Uh, We we support multiple organizations that are local here in town, uh, including the Women's Choice Clinic and and the the Dream Center. Like we're giving money to them to the food pantry. Whenever someone says like we need food, we're, we're supporting and keeping these buildings open by the donations that you guys are giving in weekly. Uh, we also uh, have big organizations. Some of you guys ask, when there's like a problem in the world where like there's a natural disaster, we're already giving. And what I love most about our church is I don't 
want to put the burden on you of the conversation of I need your money to do ministry. We want you to know we're doing it without the burden that we're putting on you. So when there's a hurricane in Louisiana, we're already there. And some of you go, well, that'd be nice if you told me more about it. The burden that I have is that we focus on one thing every week, and that's worship to Christ. And so if I'm not careful, we can say, if you do this, then you're good. And I don't want that. What I want you to do is do this, and then we're good. This is always going to be the only thing that matters to me as your pastor. And the problem is, is that he's going to use different ways in your life, but you've already responded. Let me show you some other things that we've done. Um, so we've $200,000 we've saved. That's more than we've ever done. And we've done that in nine months. And we're giving money stupid across the country, um, across the nations. Uh, the food that we packed at the beginning of the year for Venezuela and the food crisis that they're having down there and all of the boxes that we shipped down there, the, the school supplies that we put together and all the backpacks for the kids, the shoe drive. Our kids' ministry raised over 300 pairs of shoes to sit, send to Africa. Like It's just cool that like this little church is doing so many things and we've saved money and we're still making sure that we're giving. And so I do want you guys to know that, like, we are asking that you would give to get us a home so that we can do something great. Can I just ask you to help me in just one thing before I continue with the message? If this church has touched your life in a way that you know you experience God here, would you stand to your feet for a second? I just want you to look around for just a second because I think that this is important. I think it's important that not only has this church touched your life, but it's touched others. And I think that that's important because there are people in your life that you're praying for that want to be touched by God or that need to be touched by God. And you have found this place and many others have found this place as a place where some really precious things happen. And I am forever eternally thankful for what God has done in my life and in my family's life in this building. And when we say we're trying to build a church, we're not trying to talk about a church. We're trying to talk about a people. Y'all can have a seat for a second. Because this is what the Lord says to Haggai. Does anyone remember the house, this temple in its former glory? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all, says the Lord. Be strong. Zerubbabel, be strong, Jeshua. Be strong, all of you people that are still left in the land, and now get to work, for I am with you. I think that's the word of the Lord for today. It took me uh, 25 minutes to get to the word of the Lord, but I wanted to give you some background. First of all, I want to say thank you for giving to the way, and thank you for giving to the way without me having to ask or beg or do anything, that we can make that a background. It's cool to see your faith in action. More importantly, it's cool to see as many of you that are serving to make this work. When I look at that scripture, now get to work for I am with you. Yes, I'm asking that you would give your resources. But you know what makes us a people is when you join us in laboring to make something beautiful. 
When they decided to build the house of God, the purpose of it, why the Lord wanted a house, is because Israel became a place where trade would happen from all over the world. People will come to Israel still to this day. That's why there is no piece of land that people are fighting over more than Israel. Because that place is stinking blessed. It's crazy. But the Lord wanted a house so that when people came to the place where they knew people were blessed, they had a place to show them where they get blessed. And so all of these people that were heathen that came from all over the world, they would stand in that place and go, this is where your God lives. This is where your God moves. Now, we know it's not in this building. You can literally burn it down. We'll still have church because it's in you. But we need a place to do this together so we can reach your loved ones. But I'm not asking today for finances. I have needs all across this thing. If I'm Ezra and I'm the guy holding the, the map on how this is how we're going to build it, I don't think we're going to get the promised land that we're asking for until we figure out how to get our house in order. And so the things that I'm asking for is when you come, come to the altar. But when you come, come to serve. Don't just come to be blessed. Come to serve. You are now a disciple. A disciple is someone that's going to carry the burden of Christ and is going to labor for other people's freedom. So I want you to know we have needs everywhere in this church, in the nursery right now. Some of you just want to kiss a baby. Fantastic. I got the most beautiful babies on God's green earth for you to kiss back there. Some of you don't like people. That's good. We got a job for you. Like, we, can, we, we need help in the media team. We're broadcasting right now. And what happens is if we don't get your help, the giftings that God has placed in you, these people serve every week. And they weren't designed to. We were all designed to carry the burden. You have giftings inside of you that you're not using. But God said, why are you going home to your fancy house when my house lies in ruins? I need you to help me build this thing that helps me reach the lost, reach your loved ones. And so what I do, my loved ones live in another state. I'm here fighting for your loved ones. And what you do when you come to serve is that you serve my loved ones and her loved ones and his loved ones. And we try to make a way, make it as easy as possible for them to come to know Christ. We need help on the media team, on the greeting team. Some people, you're really good at organizing, doing admin. Man, do we need help with people that can write an email. You don't want your pastor writing that email. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I can do it. You don't want me to. <laughs> I'm telling you. And so there's things that like you just are good at. And we need you to be good in the house of God. He didn't save you to just go home and be safe and secure. The call of God is not easy. And it will be difficult, I want you to know. It will cost you your feelings. It'll be, sometimes it'll be hard to do this. And like I'm sometimes, I'm, I'm, you know, I just don't feel like doing it today, Pastor. There's a lot of things you're not going to feel like doing. There's one thing that I've decided. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the Lord's house has some holes. And to get to where we need to go, we need every hand on deck. And I just wonder, because we can be guilty building our kingdom and not the Lord's. I don't want that. And so what I'm asking you today is, how do you help partner with me 
to effectively build the kingdom of God in this time that you still have on this side of eternity. I, maybe, I, I don't know. I think, I think on my dying breath, I'm probably going to ask, was I a good enough father? Was I a good enough son? Because the things that we do will matter in eternity. And I'm not sure anything is more important than the things that we're doing. I don't need you to write a check and feel good. Like some of you, maybe I do need you to do that. You know? I don't know. But what I'm saying is like I, what I really need you to do is to know that you're a kingdom builder too. Don't sit on your giftings. What Jesus talks about later in scripture is those that sit on their giftings lose them. And he'll give them to someone else. Now, he hasn't yet given me your gifting of administration, but he might. <laughs> is that fair? Yeah. This is our strategy. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Let me just stop there for a second. Many of you come up to me with these ideas of like, you know what your church needs, pastor? You need to teach on this more. Time out. Nope. I need to teach on what God's telling me to teach about. You need to teach that message. You see it, teach it. This, he's designed you to, this is a body effort. This, you don't want to go to a church where you just pay the staff to do ministry. Maybe you do. That's not our vision. I can point you to churches that that's the vision. I'm not being mean to them. But the way that I see scripture for this house is that you and I are supposed to labor together. So he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, the pastors, and the teachers. Listen to this, the next verse. He gave, he gave them the gifts to equip the saints. Their responsibility is to equip you to do his work to build up the church, the body of Christ. Do you see who's, at, who's supposed to be working here? It's not just me, Jack. We all got work to do. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that you're learning, you're getting better at inviting other saints to your house for Sunday dinner. You just have food together. Watch a football game, laugh, make fun of your pastor, do whatever you want, but have <laughs> fellowship. Talk about Jesus. Some of you love moments where God just, you want to see the Spirit of God move in greater ways. Have a worship night. You want, to have, you want to have prayer meetings? Yes, do that. Be the church. Do the church. Let's do ministry. Let's create eternal moments that last forever. Don't look back remembering how good the last temple was. You're not a slave anymore. Now we dream about what he's going to do. Watch, he's going to say that right here in this chapter. You, do you understand this? Are we good? We understand this? Deb, would you come? Um, and then we're going to go to Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. And so this is what the Lord of the heaven's army says. In just a little while, again, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. And I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than your past experiences. 
says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. Oh man, does that sound glorious.